So if you are the easiest one to work with, and if you have the most pleasant one to work with, then they're going to stick with you. They're going to be loyal to you. I specialize into more of the experience than just this defining a program or selling a product. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where you'll hear leaders of partner programs talk about their greatest challenges and most successful solutions. And now your host, Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates. Welcome to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, where we talk with leaders in software partner programs to learn about what's working today. I'm Louis Gadima, the President of Revenue and Associates, where we help companies grow faster by helping their channel partners market better and grow faster. Today, I'm talking with Gilbert Vandries, whose title on LinkedIn is Delivering Partner Happiness at Zoom. We'll talk about that shortly. Gilbert has held senior partner positions, especially focused on partner engagement and experience at Docker, VMware, EMC Insignia, and elsewhere. And early in his career, he was a sales manager with Apple in Paris. Gilbert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Well, uh, no, the pleasure is all mine, believe me. So you were born and educated in France? Indeed, I was born and raised in France. Uh, I've been living there for 45 years. And I just found the world to be too small in Europe. So I just wanted to go beyond that. All right. Well, welcome. How long have you been in the U.S.? Uh, Six years now. It's been an eventful six years. I wouldn't say uneventful, for sure not. Moving from one, one continent to another is always a big experience, although I've been traveling to the U.S. four or five times a year, the 15 years prior to that move. And uh, yeah, since I've been here, I've been changing company two times already. So it's not uneventful, for sure. <laughs> so please fill us in a bit more about your career path. What brought you to your focus on the channel and, uh, and especially on partner experience? So I like to say actually that I was born in a channel because my very first job was about working for a channel partner, a reseller, at the time of digital. And I started as a pre-sales and slowly become a, a salesperson in that company. To be honest with you, after almost five years, I, I went back to see my former boss and I said, I have enough working for end customers. I would like to to stay away from end customers and do something more interesting with some uh, vendors or suppliers. And that's actually, I, um, I got my, my other job uh, at Apple, managing channel partners. And I was very confident that I would know what to do because I was coming from one of them. But that wasn't true. I learned a lot, definitely. But I just fell, fell in love with it, fell in love with this interaction with uh, those companies where the, 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 um, the purpose is to make money on some margin. But at the end of the day, it's just about interacting with other human beings. And they have their own challenges. And uh, we, as a vendor, as a supplier, have, have our own as well. Sometimes we don't speak the same language, but at the end of the day, it's all about fulfilling or, or meeting your customer needs. And uh, throughout the years, from managing partners, I got into managing programs, which is more around how can we, rather than talking to one partner, talk to more partners and find solutions for them to, to rally what you have to, to sell them. And over time, get back into my very first feeling, which is we're still talking to human beings. So it's not just programs. It's really about the experience because there are so many vendors outside, so many competition. So if you are the easiest one to work with and if you have the most pleasant one to work with, then they're going to stick with you. They're going to be loyal to you. I specialize into more of the experience than just this defining a program or selling a product. And I hear that from both uh, partners and vendors 
how critical that experience is. And clearly there's, there's lots of companies, there's lots of people to do business with in the world. And you want to work with the ones who uh, you enjoy working with, all, all things being equal. I'm assuming that everybody listening to this podcast knows Zoom, so I'm not going to ask you the questions I often ask guests about what your company does. But you have reseller integration and technology partners. When Zoom went public recently, one of the six elements in the Zoom growth strategy was grow our partnership ecosystem and continue to expand our platform. How many partners does Zoom have and how central are those reseller and integration partners to your growth? So now we have around the world more than 2,000 active partners with us. Uh, but as you said, playing different roles. So we have reselling partners that are simply providing those subscription services to their customers on their paper. But we also have referral partners, partners who don't necessarily want to invest too much into this customer engagement, I would say, and are very happy to share opportunities with us and then we close directly and reward the partners. And we also have, because that's part of our strategy, uh, a lot of alliances and, and strategic alliances and partnership in order to actually access to a broader range of customers. So we have AV integrators, so the people that are setting all the solutions around uh, the voice and the video aspect. We work also with carriers. We, we, we keep on signing more and more carriers around the world. So the one clearly carrying the voice solutions and all the numbers. And we also have some strategic partnership around some other providers of SaaS solutions to customers when it comes to uh, communication or exchange, maybe file sharing, it, it might be uh, instant communication. So this is the, the wide uh, ecosystem of partners we have. Now, to answer your question with regards to our growth, uh, obviously we today have, let's say, more than three quarters of our business being done in the U.S. So we have a huge growth opportunity outside of the U.S., and uh, for some people who have traveled abroad, they, they should know that the best way to succeed out of the U.S. is definitely to work more and more with partners because they have the local presence, they have the local relationship, they have the management of the local currencies and, and understanding all the different regulations and specifications. So definitely I'm in the right position because our growth path is based on channel development and partner development. Obviously here in the domestic market, but also definitely outside, outside of the U.S., yeah, it's an interesting point about uh, how how central the channel is to growth overseas. You know, getting back to that job, that great job title of yours. Uh, so, so what are some of the ways that you're delivering partner happiness at Zoom? The other word that I don't like to use externally for partners is to reduce, reduce friction. As I said earlier, working with a vendor is always very complex because it's one out of many that uh, a partner may, may carry in his portfolio. So the easiest it is, uh, the better it is. And uh, my function here is to not only just, as I said earlier, to, to, to develop programs, but to make sure that everything that goes around a program, both internally and externally, is actually as simple as possible. So very basic example being, we have a partner portal, how, how we can get a partner to access to the main top task in just two clicks and not five clicks. So it requires me to work with the, our web development team. Um, in that same extent, uh, working a lot with legal because how can we get a partner on board in less than two hours rather than having them filling 40 pages of contract? And when it comes to transacting with us or provisioning, how can we shorten the cycle? So when a partner is having a request from a customer saying, I would like to use Zoom tomorrow morning, how can we make sure this happens and we don't have to tell the customer, sorry, but we were late and you're going to have this next week? 
those sort of things. So my function is really about looking at all those different components or point of interaction with our partners and their customers and make sure that it internally, cross-functionally, I shorten those and enhance those or I make this as seamless as possible. So you're really looking at it like a customer experience person would, looking at the whole customer's journey and all the touch points. You're looking at all the partner touch points and how you can reduce friction and improve the experience uh, at each one of those. So definitely that. It's just an extra layer of the, the customer journey. It's adding this extra value, which is the customer might not necessarily come directly to us. He might take this route for a partner. So how can we make sure that this additional tier is actually not limiting or uh, slowing down the experience for the customer? And it was very easy for me to translate my official uh, let's say uh, systematic title into delivering partner happiness because as you may know Zoom is about delivering happiness to the customers but since I'm mostly touching partners uh, I'm doing the same for the partners. So you were talking about uh, how to improve your portal and such and I'm sure there's other partner technology channel technology you're using also. Are most of your relationships with partners human-based? Is there a channel manager or, or whatever you may call them at Zoom? Uh, for each partner or are many of your relationships digital? Both. My main relationships are definitely human-based. So um, I'm working extensively with our field channel team. So the people that are on a day-to-day -day basis talking with our partners to make sure I can collect feedback. We also have some ways to actually get feedback directly from our partners to make sure that we can have this partner advocacy or voice into the, into the company. So therefore we can look at or tackle the right initiatives based on the real needs outside and not necessarily thinking from our vision within this ivory tower here in San Jose. And the other interactions are definitely person-based here internally with all those cross-functional team that I've been uh, referencing earlier. Now that being said, I also live with data and when we look at enhancing a portal portal or just simply using a portal portal, it's important for, to me to actually get the real analytics around this, this specific touch point, and there are some others, uh, to really understand the effectiveness of any change or any improvement that we've done here. An example being, I was quickly talking about how can we get a partner in two clicks to, to the activity that is really trying to, uh, to achieve on a portal, we have put some metrics around that to make sure that we could track that path. And even though we think and we had the feedback that it should be done in less than two clicks, we're still seeing partners that are actually taking a longer path to get to that function. So now it's really to understand what do they find on those different pages or, or links that is actually either uh, derailing them for their activities or what is actually maybe they need that before they, they, they get to the action itself. So it's all those different data and sort of business intelligence aspect that are also as important as talking to people in person. So you've mentioned the portal a, a few times. What other technologies, channel technologies, do you think are especially important for managing your partner relationships? So something that we don't have yet, and, uh, and I'm definitely keen to, um, to, to build over the course of the next quarters, is actually uh, a sort of point of contact for our partners uh, directly. So we have uh, field managers, but um, every human being has to sleep or has to eat or has limitations, so they can't talk to thousands of people every day. So find a way to provide all our partners possibly on 24-7, or at least five days a week, a person that they can talk to either by 
taking a call and using Zoom phone, for example, or, or just by, by chat, but have the ability to get to a, to a resource center, a success center. We, we, we want to call them uh, the way we want, but at least figure out that, hey, I, I need something from Zoom. I can contact Zoom and have somebody physically answering me. So that's the next step. Okay. Are you using a, a PRM or a through channel partner automation or other technology like that? We have our own PRM, which is actually sitting on our, on our Salesforce solution. So that's what we're having right now. And we have a bunch of different other tools that allows us to track some analytics and data based on the incoming calls, based on the uh, number of emails we, sorry, the emails we receive, as well as the activity around the different deals that we're closing. Okay. What KPIs do you think are especially important that you're looking at in your work? You've talked about some very uh, granular ones, you know, in terms of how many clicks it takes to do something on the portal, but are there higher level KPIs for the partners that you're looking at around partner success? So we have um, a very limited for now sort of PSAT or partner satisfaction scoring. I said very limited because we we actually deployed that to a very limited number of partners and so far only in the US. But that's one of the metrics that we're clearly we're going to develop. The other one is mostly around the partner productivity. And this is a bit easier because we can attach this to the, uh, the subjective information we get from the direct contact of those partners, as well as the, uh, the, the data we, we get from their real sales activity. But th these are metrics as well that we look at very carefully. Uh, in terms of understanding where our fo focus must be for either increasing sales or simply increasing the support, the, the handholding of, of those partners in, in, in different areas. Does it make sense? Yeah. So you were talking about how much bigger Zoom is in the U.S. than overseas. So is there a growing emphasis on the channel at Zoom? Do you see this as something that Zoom is putting more and more emphasis on going forward than perhaps it has in the past? Yes, absolutely. Uh, de definitely. We, we have a tremendous growth uh, in the company, but we know that we won't be able to maintain that growth uh, with just our direct sales approach. The channel contribution or the channel revenue contribution to the overall revenue is increasing year after year. But in order to make sure that we maintain that, that growth that we are planning for the next two or three years, and obviously please the, the stock market, it will be with the help of the channel. And uh, once again, in different flavor, we have, as I said earlier, we have the carriers partners that are extremely important for us when it comes to the to the top enterprise and, and, the, and the Fortune 500 type of account because they do have the relationship there and they can bring more than just the UCAS solution we, we provide. And we also have a need in the, in the commercial and mid-market to actually get more feet in the ground. We won't be able to recruit thousands of sales web to promote Zoom everywhere. So the channel partners and all the agency model that we were thinking about are definitely key uh, in maintaining the growth. Yeah. Okay. So it's really a strategic direction for the company. Definitely. Yeah. It comes from top down. That's a message that comes directly from our CEO and our recent, uh, recently nominated chief revenue officer. We have to go deeper and faster and broader into the channel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it was one of those uh, top six growth priorities uh, that you mentioned in the S1A. So I'm going to ask you two questions that are kind of variations of questions I ask when I'm hiring people. So first, uh, not necessarily just at Zoom, but possibly at some of the other companies you've worked at too. What's a channel 
program or a channel a campaign something that you worked on that you think was especially successful hmm, well, that's a good one i have to go back in time been 25 years now doing this <laughs> <laughs> yeah well as I, I as i said it doesn't have to be at zoom but it could be uh -huh. at, at think, another company so i think one of the most interesting one for me and the most challenging back then was at my time at VMware, when I was in, in charge of the global partner experience, this was a brand new role, it was existing before, and it was about trying to combine a series of different interaction point of partners into one single entity. And my mission there was not that we have all those things combined, I'm going to describe them in a minute, is how we can actually make the best out of it and, and find a synergy between those. So. The idea was to, to simplify, to bring what was called back then the Partner Support Center. So it was a, a team of 40 people around the world supporting partners seven days a week, together with uh, the Partner Portal, once again, so clearly uh, online relationship with, with offline relationship, uh, and, and figure out indeed uh, what to make best out of this from a pure partner experience. And uh, the very first idea that, that came and that been very easy to implement was a quick win in less than six months, was to leverage the fact that there were incoming calls and inbound calls to the partner support center and create a knowledge base from that series of calls that were coming in for multiple times, the same question, the same need, and how to provide this information in an online fashion for the portal. And the other way around being we have launches, announcements being made on portal, I would say in an offline way in some ways, but how we could then revert completely the function of the partner support center and having them switching their function for more receiving inbound calls and going and, and doing outbound calls. So therefore repeating the message we're pushing online through direct out call to the partners. This has showed um, a lot of success because I can tell you that in terms of I was saying in this, this kind of period of six months, uh, there was a series, I think it was the top seven questions that were, that were asked at the partner support center had been decreased by more than 30% because the answer was then provided online. And having this knowledge base online was clearly offloading the, the agents at the support center. And the purpose was definitely to find a way to offload them so therefore they could start placing outbound calls. So in less than six months, we, we were already seeing some benefits of having combined those two things. So it wasn't a channel program as such. Uh, if you want, if you think about the, the usual uh, sales program, but it was a, a real way to, to better interact for our partners and also organize our resources in a better way to make sure that we'd be more proactive than just being reactive with our channel network. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, and then just the opposite. What's a channel program or campaign uh, that you worked on that wasn't successful and, and why do you think that was? Another example back at VMware, but further back in time in, in Europe. Back then I was managing distribution and VMware was moving from a, a one product company to a multiple product company. And we had um, a specific product on the VDI, virtual desktop infrastructure, that wasn't necessarily taking off for a couple of years. And I was managing distribution um, all over EMEA back then. I was thinking maybe the best way to start accelerating sales on this aspect is to, to actually decompose our rebate program for our distributors and start having a differentiated program based on what they sell, what they promote better uh, than the rest. So the idea was, okay, now that we have this new product that is, that is struggling, taking off, how can we actually put some more incentive from a rebate perspective on that aspect 
and moving from a one flat rebate model to a, a sort of matrix model uh, was looking good on the paper, was looking good when shared with the, uh, the Dispute Advisory Council, uh, was looking quite okay talking internally with corporations who were supposed to manage this. But uh, after three quarters of implementation, it turned out to be a real disaster because from an operation perspective, it was a real mess to really provide the right payment and, and the rebate calculation on time. From a pure sales aspect, it was very difficult because it wasn't completely aligned with the long-term plan, business plan that had been set with the, the partners underneath distribution. And I think we also had some issues in securing enough budget because some parts have worked quite okay, but they were asking at the end of the day more money than we have initially planned. So we had to, to kill that program very quickly. While honestly, uh, the first two or three months of preparation, everybody was very enthusiastic about it. But the execution did, did, did show that it wasn't the right thing to do. I learned my lesson. I'm taking more time <laughs> to launch programs or eventually pilot them more or longer rather than just thinking that uh, the initial thoughts and discussions are enough. Yeah, good example. You either succeed or you learn. Yep. I think I learned from this one, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I would assume, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that the partners that VMware or EMC have or even Docker are uh, different kinds of companies and, and maybe different kinds of people than Zoom has. Uh, do you see uh, different challenges when you're working in, in with different kinds of partners like that? Or is, is there a, a kind of uniform approach that you can bring uh, across a lot of different uh, types of industries? No, they are, they, are pretty, they are completely different for a couple of reasons, but I think the, the number one reason here uh, at Zoom is uh, this is a SaaS solution, definitely. So the, the business model is completely different. As you know, it's all about subscription. It is initially a low cost uh, on a monthly basis, but it can be as big as the last year that that used to be sold on the on the perpetual licenses or hardware side uh, a few years ago in the in the long term, but the, the business model of the partners is different. So there are there are some common partners. There are some big players. You will always find them here in the U.S. Uh, when you think about the DMRs, so the um, the, the PCMSH or CW of the world, they are playing everywhere. But when you go be, be below that category of partners, uh, those are completely different indeed. These are not traditional VALs. These are not the traditional uh, SISOs uh, that we used to have. These are a sort of brand new type of, of partner. At least, if they're not completely brand new, at least they've made, they, they've succeeded in, in changing their business model and being more services oriented than just providing licenses. And therefore, the approach and the way you talk to those partners, the way you present the, the benefits of partnering with Zoom is different from what I've experienced at, a, at an EMC or, or a VMware. That being said, it's still quite similar in the way you interact with them and the way you try to, to capture their attention. Because as I said, it's all about this, this relationship, this partnership, and, uh, and how much you actually understand what they live, what they talk about, what they're trying to achieve. And if you fit with their expectations, then you are the partner of choice. So once again, it's a uh, human relationship and try to, to understand what works for them not neglecting what works for us as, as a vendor of show, uh, for sure, but really make sure that it's flexible and adjustable enough so therefore they can carry this uh, with their business, which is very similar to, to anything I've done in the past. It's just that their business model, their reaction to 
margin or commission or just a, a deal value is completely different. Yeah, the services part is really critical for the SaaS partners. Do these partners uh, have experience with that or is this new for them too? Because uh, sometimes, sometimes over the last several years, um, a lot of companies, a lot of partners have been having to make this transition from on-prem to services, SaaS, and that recurring revenue stream as opposed to that one-time sale that they might have had in the past. So that's, that is always making me smile because, as I said earlier, I started working for a partner, a channel partner 25 years ago. At that time, you would have called this partner a regular VAR, a value-added reseller. But the, the main message we had our, our, our CEO back then was, guys, we're selling servers, we're selling network and infrastructure, but this is not how we're going to make money. We're going to make money by selling services and potentially maintenance contract, and this is recurring revenue. Whatever the customer will have on site, they will need us to make sure that we can maintain that and, and enhance that. So I, I was lucky to actually start my career in this mindset already, which is services is what is going to make the company successful in, in the long term and not just a one-time-off deal that is great. We're going to have champagne, but then after that, let's, let's start again. And it's been throughout my career, I'm talking with all my, my peers in the industry, this constant question around how can we convince the partners that more and more they're going to have to invest in services because selling a PC when they comes in, forget about it. Selling a server when they comes in, forget about it, and so on and so on. At Zoom, and, uh, and um, what I'm learning with, in, in this new job in, in a SaaS environment is that most of the partners that we actually work with have understood and have made successfully the transition into services. They do understand that at the end of the day, they need to provide one solution to their customer customers. And even though that solution might be partially made of some cloud solution and, and very low touch and very low cost software piece, the solution itself still requires them to be present with their, their customers and, and provide everything that the customer needs in order to be uh, productive and effective. And uh, as I said, most of the partners we work with, I've understood that and I've built the entire business model on the services approach. So in most cases, the, the Zoom subscription in the, in, the, in the majority of the deals is actually representing a very low portion of the, of the deal itself. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because at Microsoft, they talk about partners making $9 on top of, from their services on top of the $1 that Microsoft uh, typically gets. Uh, Salesforce has numbers that they use. Other companies have numbers that they use. So it, that's pretty uh, much the situation for Zoom partners as well, that they make much more from their services than they do from the actual selling of, of the Zoom licenses. Yes, this is true. I don't have any metrics to share with you, like like a like, like a one to nine. Definitely, that's something that we keep hearing from our partners. And one of the partners that we may start relationship with, I'm not at that level, given that we at Zoom we also provide directly to the customer our, our own CSM and our own PSO, uh, so customer success management and, and professional services. We also bring the partners with us for, for them to shadow what's happening and therefore for, for them to ramp up slowly their skill set around the Zoom solution. So even though they may not have yet this mindset and this behavior or this, this practice, uh, we, we carry them on with us and we plan for, for them to ramp up and be able then to, uh, to deliver the same level of services by themselves. So being self-sufficient at some point. But yeah, the, the, message, the message is clear. We have so far a great 
technology. Customers are asking a lot, but this technology requires a lot of services around. I'm talking here about a Zoom room, or I'm myself currently in a Zoom room where you might just hear my voice, but I have cameras and microphones and, and screens, and all this requires installation, deployment, configuration, and that's where our partners are also playing an important role in approaching their customer, not only from a pure software perspective, but how they can rearrange their environment, the workspace, as well as redefine the, the full collaboration within their, their customer accounts. And that's additional services on top of a very simple software. Most of the time, is it just one partner who's working on this? Or do you often have a situation where two, three, four partners may be collaborating around one customer to put together the whole solution for them? So we have both. We definitely have both. We have, in, in, in some cases, partners that can do everything. But I would still say that for more than half of the, of the, the nice deployment that we're having with the, the top customers, this is a, a combined effort of, of four different instances. Of course, Zoom coming as a subject matter expert. And then you have the company that comes in and resell the applications, so the, the Zoom solutions services to, to the customer as part of a lot larger uh, customer asset management service. Then you have the AV integrators I was talking about earlier that comes and, and do the deployment from a hardware perspective. And sometimes you also have uh, consulting companies that we work with when it goes beyond just the video collaboration. But I was talking about earlier the, about this full collaboration philosophy within a company. So we happen a lot of time to be actually part of some uh, bid or some tender, some public tender where the customer that comes and say, I got those 50 offices, I want to make sure that all my people work well together. And then you have one person that may say, I got a perfect solution for you from a software perspective. Then another one say, I got a perfect solution from a hardware perspective. And here's the, the philosophy you have to deploy in your company and so on. So we're actually going far beyond just an app. Uh, that's what it makes it very interesting. And going beyond an app means going beyond just one type of partners and actually give a totally different perspective on almost every single deal we work on. Are partners good about that? Do partners have any problem with collaborating with other partners, worrying about who's going to own the customer, any of, of that kind of thing? So far, we didn't see, we didn't, we didn't have any issue or any complaint about that. We're not necessarily bringing the partners ourselves. Uh, we have a reference list sometimes when it helps uh, in a deal indeed, once the customer might be asking, can you indicate me a good partner to, to install my, my Zoom rooms or to get into my, my phone systems? But usually we actually see the partners uh, joining together because they know they don't have all the skill sets. And they, they seem to already have the network of people to work with in order to come to their customers with a full uh, solution approach. So it, it does work well, yes. Okay, that's great. So what should I have asked you that I didn't? What, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> what keeps me up at night is, what keeps me up at night and, 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 and during the day too, I, I don't have time to take any nap, <laughs> is clearly not staying complacent. I mean by that, that uh, not being complacent. I do believe that at Zoom and in my, my previous worlds, we have done the right things, but doing one thing is never enough. There is always something else. It's not about thinking, okay, I've deployed this way of capturing feedback, so now I can, I can rest and, and just listen to it. Because the market outside is changing, the partner types are changing, the way they interact with vendors is changing constantly. And uh, if I remember well, you know, 10 years ago, sending an email was the best way to get information back and forth. Today, with social media, with uh, less and less phones, with most chat and short, short conversation, 
the, the idea that we have to capture the partner feedback or the voice of the, of, of the customer and the partners is not necessarily taking the exact same route and sometimes with the same year. So it's really about what is happening outside. What are those people using to look for information, to be contacted, to feel like being loved and nurtured, to make sure that we, we leverage all those, those different mechanisms and, and means not to miss anything. It is very important in, in those days where I'm seeing after that many years that the, the population of the partners is changing a lot. I said in my early days, I was working for a partner, working with, with, with digital before the acquisition by Compaq. This was a completely different generation of people and salespeople and, and companies that we have to the industry with all the, the startup and young companies. And the population, as I said, the partner is also changing and, and you have multiple generations there. And they all interact with information and business and business relationship completely differently. So it's really about keeping an eye out and say, okay, what is working and what is not working anymore to make sure that we constantly get the right voice at the right time. Yeah, when you're going back to digital, uh, you're spanning a, a few decades there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the Boston area and digital's headquarters was very close to here. So they were a, a huge presence here back in the 80s and 90s, but uh, not anymore. True. Uh, so, Gilbert, how can people contact you if they want to talk about Zoom or the partner program or some of the things that you've talked about today? What's the best way to contact you? I think my LinkedIn profile is the easiest one. I'm open and I, and I welcome any contact and request. And my email address, I might be very old-fashioned suddenly after all I said about, but uh, uh, gilbert.vandries at zoom.us is a good way to get in touch with me as well. Okay, great. We'll put those into the uh, program notes on revenueassociates.biz with the podcast. Uh, so thank you for joining us uh, today, Gilbert. This was very interesting. As I do with all guests, I'll be sending you a copy of my Bullseye Marketing book in appreciation. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or another app, and you found the podcast interesting and useful also, as I did, please leave a review. That will help other people learn about the podcast too. Thank you for listening to the Software Channel Partner Podcast, and please subscribe and listen to future episodes.